And this year, the Lord has given our pastor a vision called All In. He has given him a vision called All In, laying out the challenge of like, like never before, giving and yielding completely and totally to Jesus Christ. How many know that the flesh has a tendency at times to get a little guilty of something? The flesh has a tendency at times to just make the Lord a portion of our life, to just make serving Jesus Christ a portion of our life. But, oh, Jesus doesn't just want a portion of us. Jesus wants all of us. Every single bit of us, every broken, fragmented piece so that he can transform and he can change and he can do a powerful work. Is there anybody in the house say, I'm a testimony of Jesus this morning? If it hadn't been but for Jesus Christ, who knows where I would be? And that gracious Savior, thank God, he doesn't just want a portion of us, he wants all of us. But there's something about the vision of all in is I believe that it is not only the vision for the year 2022, but I believe it is a new mantra of the Rodney Pike Church of God. I believe that we're not going to stay contained with the all-in in the year 2022. But I believe that the Lord gave our leadership and headship this vision, not just for this year, but as a resounding sound for the generations and the years to come. Hallelujah. I'm believing this morning that all in, I believe we're going to see some, some saints who've been around for a while go into dimensions that we've never seen before. I'm also believing for new souls. I'm believing for young souls. And I'm believing for old souls also. I am believing from 90 years old to 9 months old that we see all in come into play. And I want to say it again. It's not just a yearly vision. I believe this is the mantra for the Rodney Pike Church of God. That we're going to sell out to Jesus Christ and to the plan and purpose that he has laid out for the church of Jesus Christ. And I declare it in the name of Jesus Christ that there will not be a gray-headed generation in 20 years that will thump their chest and say, Oh, the choirs we used to have. Oh, the conferences we used to have. Oh, the children's ministries used to, we used to have. But I believe the Lord is going to raise up in every generation ones that are of before and ones that are of to come. I will not bask in the glory of the former day. I will declare that there is a mission and a vision for the cause of Christ. And I will declare that the Rodney Pike Church of God is all in. Hallelujah. Praise God. Very quickly, we go with me today to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 16 starting at verse 8. It says this. This is a psalm that was written at the time where the Ark of the Covenant had come back to Jerusalem. It says 1 Chronicles chapter 16 starting at verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. 
sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. I want to read that verse one more time. I want to read it prophetically. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. Seek his face evermore. Remember, somebody say remember. His marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Father, we thank you for the truth and the authority and the power of your word. I pray, God, that you would anoint your messenger this morning as I stand once again at this awesome pulpit led by an awesome man. We rejoice in you today, God. Amen and amen. If you could put a title on my message this morning, it would probably be All In, Don't Stop Seeking. All In, Don't Stop Seeking. It's interesting that there are times where you will sit at a television and you will flip through channels when there is literally nothing to watch. And I came across this interview that it it struck my eye it was decades decades old probably 50 plus years old watching this show called the Dick Cavett show I'd never really heard of it and I ran across it it was an interview type format I would say kind of like a David Letterman or some type late night type show and lo and behold the guest that was being interviewed was none other I'm going to use a name that some may know some may not know It was the great woman evangelist, Catherine Kuhlman, that was being interviewed on this show. Now, I'll tell you, if you don't know that name, go YouTube Catherine Kuhlman. Because I'll tell you something about Catherine Kuhlman. I don't mean this vainly. I mean respectfully. She was who she was. And in all honesty, she probably could have been like a guest cousin on the Adams family, okay? She had this eccentric way about her. She was probably as tall or taller than I am. And thin, oh, extremely thin. Anybody know, remember who she was from way back in the day? And she had a way that she would talk. She would really accentuate everything she said. And she had this long arm span. And she would point with a strong emphasis at everything she would say. Oh, she was who she was. She was flakier than the cereal aisle and nuttier than a candy shop. Oh, she, she was an eccentric human being. But she had this great crusade ministry and I believe was a spiritual mother to some that, that are now great ministers today. And Sister Coleman, what didn't help her was she would have her program. She would come out in this kind of dark-tinted, church-looking backdrop and she would hold her hands out and simply say, I believe in miracles. And she would say it like that. And what didn't help her was they played this very mellow organ behind her. 
that didn't probably. And I'll tell you, she was probably the mother of what's considered soaking worship. Because in a day where the Pentecostals thought if you didn't have whiplash, you hadn't been to church. Okay, if you didn't have whiplash or need, need an oxygen tank, you hadn't been to church. She's, she used to preach concepts like, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. Let's listen to him, okay? Let's, let's wait and shut our mouths and listen to what he has to say. But the Lord would use her greatly in healing crusades. And this interviewer said, okay, Miss Kuhlman, tell me right. You, you know how journalists have a tendency to be. They try to be the biggest smart alecks and try to pull out negativity out of men and women of God. And I think it silenced the interviewer when he asked this question. He said, okay, Miss Kuhlman, what is going on? When you are standing up on the platform of these stages and these conventions and these healings are taking place and these miracles are taking place. Well, Sister Kuhlman stuck her hand out her finger out like she did most every time. She said, Mr. Cabot, I will tell you this. My prayer lines will sometimes last three to five hours at a time. And every miracle that happens... I am not the one pouring anything out. I am simply a member of the audience that is sitting in that convention hall. You know what that great evangelist was telling that smart aleck journalist? She was telling him, I've seen God do many a thing. I have gone many a mile with Jesus Christ, but I know he's got so much more he wants to reveal to me. I know I've been going down a long path but I know that there is so much more that the Lord wants to reveal to me David wrote in this psalm that we read as our text this morning he said sing to him sing psalms to him talk of all his wondrous works glory in his name let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. Remember His marvelous works which He hath done. His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. In verse 11, David writes and he says, Seek His face what? Evermore. Seek the Lord's face evermore. Can I have a moment of transparency with you good folks for just a moment? I have seen something transpire and unfold that is probably, we'll rate it, we'll go ahead and say the COVID pandemic can kind of be the switch flipper in this situation. Growing up, I had heard time and time again, Roger, about the vulnerability of new converts. The minute you didn't see a new convert in church, you got worried, you called him up, where you at, have you fallen off? Your new con we used to talk about the, the vulnerability of the new convert. We used to talk about how we need to protect those who are newly saved and newly serving the Lord, but there's something that is transpiring that's honestly, it's breaking my heart is that it's not the new converts that are falling off, Noah. It's the seasoned saints. 
And now this switch has been flipped and what has happened is there has been a coldness begin to rise up in the hearts of seasoned saints. Those who have been around the pike just a little bit, no pun intended, those who have been around for a while, those who have a steady financial package, those who have some establishment and have got some years of seniority at their company, it's almost like that generation has lost a burning desire to be all in. And what has happened is that I believe the devil used the COVID pandemic to cause this cooling amongst the older generation. Because it used to be, I'm not preaching opinion standing up here, it used to be it's all in the name of safety. It's all in the name of safety. It's all in the name of safety, which that's cool. We had to do things. We had to make some adjustments. We had to worship in a different format. But now I know that we've learned about the virus. We've learned. We've taken precautionary measures. And still yet, I want soak for just a second. Still yet. Where you at? Honey, this isn't in the name of a virus. It's a spiritual coldness that you're allowing to win. Oh, praise God. That's good moments where you're not the lead pastor and you say something hard so he gets the messages and I don't. Oh, it's all, it's, we'll say it's in the name of safety. No, I'll be honest with you. It's in the name of spiritual coldness. It's in the name. You have lost a burning desire to serve God. Here David writes this psalm of thanksgiving to a people who literally had not been embraced or moved by the presence of God in a very long time. He was telling a people within this nation, God's chosen people saying, Saints, the Lord brought the ark back. You worship Him and praise Him not just now, but in the days to come. Oh, I want you evermore to begin to worship Him and thank Him and give Him praise for His goodness and for His acts. You know what David was saying? Let the children dance and celebrate. Let the young adults celebrate. And let the grandmas and grandpas celebrate as one voice. Every generation lift up worship unto the Lord. Thank God when he reveals his glory, it's not just for an experience, but it's for a life transformation. He was telling the young ones, when you are old and gray, I want you to tell your grandchildren about what's going on. But he was looking at the gray hairs and he was saying, honey, as long as you got breath, there's still a divine purpose within your life. And even though it's a little breath and you got pain, in your body if you got something consecrated and let the Lord use it hallelujah he looks at this generation and writes his psalm of praise 
that it's not just a praise, but it's a challenge laid out to a group of people saying, God has done a great thing and we better never forget about it. Whoa, glory. I'm getting a lot more fired up than what I said I would. I've still got a trip to Columbus and a praise team practice. I better save my energy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Can I be honest with you? That passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6 is not just a message on provision. It's not just a matter on when you have need, God will supply that need. Uh, There's revelation in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It's a challenge to make the kingdom a life prerogative. Making the kingdom a life prerogative. Jesus does list the need. He does list the things and the resources that would be needed. He talks about food. He talks about shelter. He talks about clothing. But finally, he gets the verse 33 in Matthew chapter 6. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus isn't preaching provision. Jesus is preaching kingdom. Jesus is preaching the advancement of the kingdom of God and saying those that make the kingdom a top priority will have their needs met. And they will be taken care of. And everything will be okay. But the kingdom of God has got to be the top prerogative and the top priority. In the Greek meaning, the word seek in Matthew 6.33 says, it is a verb, it is a present and a now and an imperative action. It means obviously to seek, to search for, to desire, require, Demand of uncertain affinity to seek, specially to worship or to plot. So if you want to plan your kingdom plan. Do you know what causes burnout with amongst the children of God? It's when we forget why we're doing what we're doing. I'll never forget a meeting we were in years and years ago. I'll never forget it as long as I'm alive. It taught me a lot. Is that past, We were at a place, the former church, dad was pastoring, and the church had gone through a phase of not growing, and we were in a meeting amongst leaders, and you know, they were saying all oh, this and this about attendances, and this has declined. And he said, I'll tell you what's concerning me in the room. He said, it's not our attendances. It's the fact nobody's gotten saved at our altar in six months. We forget why we're doing what we're doing. This isn't in the name of a movement. It's in the name of a kingdom. 
that we've been instructed to build and instructed to advance. And when we advance the kingdom, God is going to provide and meet the need. Oh, hallelujah. You remember those days, the humble days, where the Lord had made a way for you and you made that decision you were going to, go, going to become a giver? Do you know why the Lord blessed you? It's because you decided, God, I'm going to build your kingdom with my finances. Oh, hallelujah. My goodness, how are we going to win people if we don't have heat and electricity and air conditioning and all this kind of stuff? It's for the kingdom of God. Woo, praise the Lord. And the portions that we carry are no more important than the other. Oh, they're no more important than the other. Oh, praise the Lord. You know churches in America do have a curb appeal about them? We had to have our parking lot worked on. It was getting kind of dangerous out there in the front. Getting kind of crumbly. People could trip. People could fall. My goodness, giving could very well be the reason somebody gets saved. Oh, I can put material in the hands of children's leaders. I can put material that talks about Jesus' salvation and the Holy Ghost baptism. It's a seed being sown into the generations behind us. Oh, praise God, praise God, hallelujah. Oh, my children's teachers, you never know. You never know who you might be teaching to in those rooms. Those few children that you're teaching to could very well be the next great evangelist of southeastern Ohio that wins souls. You never know if you could be ministering to the next doctor of somebody God's going to give wisdom to and they're not going to forget the seed that you're sowing into their hearts at this young age that they are at. Oh isn't it good to know we're not wandering aimlessly and just attending church out of a culture. Honey we're binding together to build the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will meet the need. He'll provide. He'll take care of all of it. He'll provide the payments. He'll provide the food. If the kingdom is his prerogative, he'll clothe you. He'll clothe your children. He'll clothe your children's children. If the kingdom is our prerogative, honey, he'll make a way and move divinely in your life. If the kingdom is your prerogative, don't worry about the food, the clothes, the job the 401k, the pension, or any of the above. Honey, you trust Jesus and build the kingdom. That is his number one priority. Hallelujah. Whew, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The kingdom is his priority. The advancement thereof must be the number one focus. If I could hit the rewind button for just a second. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 starting at verse 18. And I want to go through verse 16 very quickly. I want to read this. 
It says, Then Saul became very angry for this saying. For this saying displeased him. You know what the saying was when they had heard the celebrations and the tambourines going and saying David slays his tens of thousands and Saul slays his thousands. Woo! Let me tell you, God's just got a way of working it out. I've learned something. The Lord has always taken me down paths that are kind of funny, but they've always kept me humble. Every time my name has been on a jumbotron to do a devotion at camp meeting or something like that, my name has been misspelled. Oh, Lord, I couldn't wait when I passed my ordained bishop test. I wanted the big black preacher Bible. I didn't know where they could find it. The big black preacher Bible. I go to get ordained, and it's a low time budgetarily for the state office, and it looked just like the one I had before. Let me tell you, God's just got a way of keeping our feet planted, doesn't he? I know it's funny, but he's just got a way of keeping our feet planted to understand who's the one who's carved out the path so we could be where we're at. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It said that this statement and this saying and this praise had displeased Saul. They ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Mm. Oh my goodness, Saul, you're not going to stand in the way of the plan of God. Saul looked at David with suspicion and jealousy from that day forward. Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came forcibly onto Saul. We've read about this before previously in Scripture. And he raved madly, or even some translations, like he, he started like lunaticingly prophesying, so to speak, inside his house while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual. Somebody say as usual. And there was a spear in Saul's hand. Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice, or escaped him twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul had removed David from his presence and appointed him as his commander of a thousand. And he publicly associated with the people. David acted wisely and prospered in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he was prospering greatly, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he publicly associated with him. This passage of Scripture is right after what is known to be probably one of the most heroic acts in the Word of God. 
And it rates probably the reason why David will always, you say his name and it will instantaneously, the association will be his defeat of Goliath for the centuries and millennials to come thereafter, millenniums to come thereafter. He's a giant slayer. David is not just the armor-bearing shepherd boy worshiper, but he is literally walking in a new rank known as the giant slayer. The Lord gave me revelation about these two phases and these two markings of David's life. You've got one phase known as his shepherd boy phase. His humble beginning phase. His lower start phase. Only to find out that the pasture intending his father's flocks were of a great place of developing faith that would eventually come to giant slaying. David slays Goliath. He shares the famous words. He shares the famous words to Saul. The same God who delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion is the one who's going to deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Can I stop for just a minute on that? David's declaration about the bear and the lion was not saying Goliath was beatable. It was saying God is faithful. I don't know what the outcome is or what this giant's going to do when I advance toward him. I only know the one who's going to empower me is the faithful one at this hour. And the faithful one, I have faith in the faithful one who's going to help me slay this giant. Woo! Or as we all talk about and preach about the fact David never declared him to be a giant. He only declared him to be a Philistine and an uncircumcised out of covenant Philistine at that. Hallelujah. David defeats Goliath. He is now not just the lowly shepherd boy. He's now into the phase. We celebrate him as the giant slayer. But he comes into the presence of the king and he has got this distressing spirit. Simply put and within a nutshell, you know what I believe that distressing spirit was? It was a tool that God was using to get Saul out of the way and get David in the place God had anointed him to be, which was the throne. To get Saul out of David's way so that David, the anointed king, could reign. And here we have this so-called giant slayer. Here and he has around this distressed, jealous king who goes the extent and hurdles a spear to bring attack. And words even said, I will pin David to the wall. Almost saying David will become a decorative piece on my wall so that I can bask and that I can glory and celebrate David's death. The same death that David could have faced facing Goliath is the same death he could have faced by the spear of Saul. What are you getting at, Pastor Micah? Is that it's one thing 
to face off with the giant that you're going to slay. David knew Goliath's height, his dimensions, and he knew the weaponry within his hands. He saw him the entire time. He was able to square off with Goliath. He saw what was lying ahead of him, Brian. But the spear, I'm not going to throw it. The spear was along the lines of more of a sneak attack. See, the giant slayer phase, you know what that represents? It represents to me, this revelation came to me, a new relationship with Jesus Christ. You get saved and you know exactly what is lying ahead and in front of you. And so much so, you've got so much faith rising up inside of you, you're willing to advance toward the giants. But years go on, and the devil knows he's got to use a little more of a sneaky tactic. Because you're wiser, and you're older, and you're experienced. But your communion and connection with the Lord does this for you. It lets you escape right in time from the enemy's spear. I don't know. I just kind of got this feeling as though this kind of this comedic thing David leans over and goes, Not today, Satan. See this. Switches will, unfortunately, the giant slaying is not the pinnacle. It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning of new heights and new places. And there isn't always that obvious opportunity to square off in the face of an enemy. Unfortunately, there is more of a sneak attack that the devil uses. But that perpetual seeking God builds you up upon the inside. That when the devil tries, because the Bible says David grabbed his harp like he used to. (laughs) He said, in order, I tell you what, I'm going to worship him not just as a shepherd boy. I'm going to worship him as a giant slayer. I'm going to serve the king not just as a shepherd boy. I'm going to serve the king as a giant slayer. David could have overstepped and walked in the flesh and gotten appointed. He apparently had the support of the nation to debunk and dethrone Saul. But God said, do it in my timing, David, so you can show the people it's not you, it's me walking with you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Perpetual seeking Him will prepare the heart for the sneak attack of the enemy.
because the enemy would love to have you pinned up against his wall. He'd love to have you pinned up against his wall, another one of his statistics, another one of his things that are in publication. He'd love to have you as another, uh, another point, another point he can chalk up on his wall. But seeking God will keep you hidden and wise from the sneak attacks of the enemy. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet with me if our praise team would come? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. That mighty man of valor grabbed a hold of that spear and thought he was going to take that wet behind the ears boy and kill him. But little did that mighty big valor king realize that there was a marking on David's life. There was a destiny on David's life, and his spear wasn't going to stifle that. Hallelujah. His spear was not going to stop that or stifle that. You know what's great about the grace of God? We may have stepped off the all-in boats, but the grace of God is so good, he's like, go ahead and step right back on the all-in boat. Come on. Step right back on into it. Might have allowed the flesh to kind of take over and we decide to get caught up in our own plans and in our own agendas. It's right there we realize God did a great thing one time and I'm going to worship him for it evermore. I'm going to keep going in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2030, 2040, 2050 until it's either my time to go be with him or he calls me home. There's a time in scripture. Jesus had come off of a fast. There was weariness within the flesh. And when the devil tried to tempt him, Jesus' weakened flesh just simply, no fanciness, no, just began to declare the Word of God. Isn't it awesome, Kelly May, that we go through experiences and our flesh will take a beating? You know what I'm talking about, Kelly. The flesh will take a beating, but what's inside of us begins to come out. And we declare the goodness of God and the Word of God. And we declare His promises and we sing His praises and declare His greatness and His faithfulness. And the devil thinks he has us because there's a weakening in the flesh. But what's going on spiritually he doesn't hold a candle to. That's why we seek Him evermore. That's why we don't stop worshiping Him and glorifying Him and serving Him and building His kingdom and letting Him use us. Because He's done a great thing on the inside of us. 
If anybody can testify to that today, will you lift up your hands and open your mouths and just begin to praise Him right now? Oh, come on, saints of God. Just begin to praise Him and glorify Him. Oh, can we worship Him evermore in this house? Can we praise Him evermore? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we praise Him? All oh, saints of God, let me hear you praise Him this morning. He hath done a great thing. We will praise Him evermore. He hath done great things. We will praise Him evermore, evermore. We worship you, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, God. Oh, somebody sing it. You're all we want. You're all we want. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all. You're all we want. I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we will evermore serve Him. We will evermore worship Him. We will evermore seek Him. He hath done a great thing. Can anybody testify to the great things of God this morning as we close out this service? Can anybody testify of His deliverance? Can anybody testify this morning of how we've overcome? Oh, can anybody testify to it this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on. No, let's sing that one more time. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all we want. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all we want. How many here this morning say, Pastor, I want to make that dedication, that evermore dedication, not only for me, but for my household, for the generations to come. Listen, I tell you what, I can't help it, but, you know, talking about future generations are kind of part of where I'm at right now. I hope I'm in the backside kind of pushing forward. Those are going to move forward. I'm looking at some faces this morning, and I just want to push you forward. You've been stalled too long. You have gifts and talents and abilities. I want to push you forward. A person from a former generation of, I know I'm not in my prime. Unless my name is Methuselah, then I'm in, still in my prime, but I'm not Methuselah. But I look at you and many of you I've known for years. I've seen some of you when you were 
just in school, school age and junior high, running around, getting in trouble. Your mama yelling, you know, pointing her finger at you, getting in trouble. I've seen some of you have been in this house for a while. Not only have you been raised, but God has placed you into this house. I'm here to declare to you that I just want to push you forward if any way possible. Because if you try and ride along and float along, any old dead fish can float downstream. I've got in my office a little ceramic salmon. I've given it, I had a few of them, but I've given away to different ones to inspire pastors. But I kept one for me. And every time I look at that, that it reminds me of one thing. That salmon will swim against the rushing current and will even go airborne if necessary to move forward to get to where it's going to get to. Nothing's going to slow him down. He'll make his destination. He'll reach the point and place that God intended him to go. I'm here to declare to you that if you're just going to ride along and float along, then you're just going to float downstream and you'll never know what it is to have the miraculous move of God in your life causing you to rise above the waves and against the current. But I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. There is nothing like it in the world. There's nothing like it in life to have the unction of the Holy Ghost and the power of God within you. All of us have been called and God is pushing us forward. I want to push you forward. I want you to discover what God is planning for you. I want this church to transform this community. I want this church, spirit-filled saints of God, to push against the current of the times and rise above it and let God be glorified through us and in us.